LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Morning, Steve Allen here with you this Sunday morning for the next two hours. Coming up at six, in conversation with lovely Samantha Bond and fab Des O'Connor. But first, you've got my best bits from the week. We started off talking about sport because we'd embarrassingly dropped out of the football and we're all fingers crossed for Wimbledon now. Well, we managed to get through the bus strikes, so presumably we'll get through the disappointment of not doing anything in the football. You know, what can you expect? You've got a bunch of girls out there kicking a football around. God, it would have been easier to ask the local scout troop to do it. But anyway, at least we've got Wimbledon. That's nice to look forward to, isn't it? We've got Wimbledon. Not, uh, yes, we have. We've got the tennis. So, in, in other words, if you, if you play tennis... You'll now find it difficult for the next sort of two weeks or so to get a court anywhere because all all the, the local people will come out and all the local tennis courts, like we've got loads in Twickenham, will be taken up by people. It's the only time of the year. The rest of the time they sit there, you know, growing grass and weeds. Come Wimbledon, everybody starts playing on them and everybody thinks that they're, you know, the best players since God created tennis or the earth, whichever we came first. I can't remember, actually. But anyway, it's neither here nor there, is it? The weather over the weekend was very nice. I spoke to a friend of mine who's one of those unfortunate people working within the banking system who's probably going to be made redundant. And it's not the most pleasant thought and not the most pleasant conversation I've ever had because it's really depressing for all those people. You know, some people go, oh, my money didn't arrive in the bank. Spare a thought for the people who work for that bank who won't be having a job in about a month's time. You know, at least they, it's, a, it's a computer glitch, they'll get it right. We had our bank open yesterday. I was quite surprised, actually, because I sort of I drove into Kingston early thinking... Do I need anything? No, not really. So I drove back out again. And, um, and, th- and then I got excited because I'd read in the paper that they still hadn't found the winner for the 62.9 million on the lottery. And I'm thinking, oh, please, God, it's me. Please, God, it's me. Oh, make life so much nicer. So much nicer. I could go out and I could have a, I could have a, a kebab or something like that. And then I heard Duncan talking about you can get three, three skewers for a pound. God knows where he's going. It must be a place where cats... If it's a cat in town, it's a stranger. And, um, and so I, I was sort of driving around, then I came back home again, and then I, as I walked past Nat West, I thought, it's open. There's nobody in there. It was just open. Presumably, all, all the people who live in Twickenham don't really worry about things like that. There's probably queues everywhere else, but not for us. Not for absolutely nothing at all. I was, I was almost a little bit disappointed, I'm afraid. But I sort of stood there for about 10 minutes, 15 minutes, waiting for a bus, thinking I'll... Because I'd already drove to Kings. I don't know why I didn't stay there, actually. But uh, I, was, I was a wee bit too early. So I'd, I'd read the newspapers. And I cut loads of items out to use on the free podcast. Because, you know, we do a free podcast every day. And thousands upon thousands of you download it, which I'm very grateful for. And I've got so much good stuff on it this week. I'm not really sure I can cope with it all. And then on... Saturday, we had the big opening of the Diamond Jubilee Gardens on Twickenham Riverside. It's where the old swimming pool used to be, and it was lovely. And I was invited. I got my invite, courtesy of the London Borough of Richmond-upon-Thames. And the dress code was 1930s optional, but they were looking for for suits and everything else because it was going to be opened by HRH Princess Alexandra, who's lovely, who lives in Richmond Park. And so I went down there with my friend Michael, the hairdresser, and we both stood under umbrellas watching it from just outside, which was just as exciting. It was just as exciting. And it does look lovely, except one woman started heckling. HRH is standing there ready to do this, and some woman walk, walks past and goes, it's disgusting what they're doing with our, with our council tax. And, and my friend Michael, who's, who's fairly vocal, went, shh, show some respect. HRH is over there. It's disgusting what they're spending on money. I thought, go away, you silly woman. Go away. Nobody cares. We're just, it's the point. It was something nice to do with the riverside. 
You know, it, I mean, I'm, I was a little bit more perturbed, the fact that they're not going to be locking it at night. But either way, they've done something, they've turned it to a nice garden, people can go and sit there, and it'll be lovely. You could look out over the river, look out over the drunks who sit down on the right-hand side, and the drug addicts, and you can sort of wave at them and go, hope to God they don't start using it, because that'll be the next thing. But it was lovely. Had a little bit of rain, but we didn't care. Didn't dampen our our sort of lovely thoughts that we had about HRH. And there was a little band there, Mr Shah and his wife from The Chemist were there, looking very smart. I think at one point they were seen talking to HRH, because she was chatting to loads of people. Loads. I should have gone in. Everybody kept saying, have you not got an invite? I went, yes, I've got an invite. I just, I, I tried to suit on it, it was on a little bit tight. And so I thought, no, I, I could look from the outside. I could be just as, just a sort of gamefully employed standing outside. And uh, I didn't need to be inside the railings. It was lovely. Uh, Jesse J uh, was on stage, I think, at this Hackney thing the other day, which was quite nice, actually. Hackney Weekend. It was probably a joke there somewhere, I should imagine. And uh, she was doing her so She was very good. Sang very, very well, people tell me. I love the story about... Um, the chuggers who are being investigated because they are less than truthful chuggers on the streets. Uh, what they, they don't tell you is the fact that they're getting paid by the charity before a penny piece goes to the charity nominated. So when you see them standing there with shelter on the back or Battersea Dogs Home or whatever it is, just remember the people standing in front of you are earning about £10 an hour. OK, £10 an hour is an average of what they're earning and they get paid before any money goes to the charity. It's, it's quite depressing. They're less than honest, these people. They're, they're called chuggers because it's charity muggers, which means they jump in front of you. Frankly, the, the answer is either take a friend with you when you go shopping or just say to them, why don't you go away? You know, and just, just give them what for, because they're not allowed to jump in front of you. It is illegal to beg on the streets of London. You can stand there... If you have a charity box with a thing and you can rattle your little box, but you can't approach people. Somebody approached me the other day. I said, excuse me, what you're doing is illegal. You're not allowed to approach me. And I've discovered lots of strange people standing outside supermarkets with buckets, with sort of a different charity on the side. But this one just said arthritis. And he, he was a little, a little sort of Asian man standing there in a suit. But it was one of those buckets where you, c- you can buy them off the internet. And I was a bit sceptical, I'm afraid. I don't like to see people just standing there. Because we've had other people, oh, we're collecting for this, collecting for that. And I don't believe they are. Unfortunately, I, I, I find it a little bit disconcerting when you walk down the high street. that There's so many people who jump in front of you and say, Would you like to put some money? No, I don't. To chuggers, I always look at them as if they're stupid. Because mainly they aren't. They are, they are highly intelligent people who are generally in theatre schools. That's why they employ them, because they've got the confidence to go, hello, and they, and they also have the ability, and it's not easy, to talk and walk backwards at the same time. They could say, hello, how are you? have you got two minutes? No, I haven't. And if I had, I wouldn't be spending it with you. So just tell them to go away politely, because all they want are your credit cards. That's what they want. Sometimes they say, listen, I, I don't want any money, because what they want is your phone details. They can then send you adverts on your phone, which cost you money when you open them up. So be very careful if they say, sorry, it doesn't involve money. That's, that was a usual tack that they came out with a short while ago. Just to drive me crack. Well, I don't know why we get them in Twickenham. Probably because we've got a load of students. You know what a bunch of bozos they are. Oh, I needed that this morning. Hot. Le- I brought some lime in as well. Some lime juice this morning because I'm partial to lime. Good for scurvy, I'm told. Not that I have scurvy, but they used to use it on ships years and years and years ago. And so I thought that was quite nice. Do you know people owe money in loans? Have you ever loaned money to a friend? Have you ever loaned money to a, to a sort of a, a colleague or something like that? We used to have a presenter at LBC, and he'd constantly be in the pub, and he'd go, OK, lend me a fiver. 
And so you'd lend him a fiver. That's the last you ever saw of it. You never saw it again. So my advice always used to be at work. If somebody says to you, can you lend me a couple of quid, give them 20. Because 20, they'll remember. Two quid that you'll never get back. You'll never see it back in a million years. It's awful. But apparently £206 billion is owed because families lend money, friends lend money, you know, mums and dads lend money to the kids. They never, they never get it back again because kids just think it's... You just don't have to. Although in, in the times when sort of people did pay it back, 60 days... 60 days, so about a couple of months before somebody went... Because you don't like to ask. If you lend somebody some money, you don't like to say to them, uh, is there any chance of having that money back? Because presumably they think you're rich enough to lend it to them in the first place. And that's why I, I, I worry about lending money to people. Occasionally somebody w- will ask me, can you lend me some money? And I always get... In fact, the, the best one was somebody said, can you lend me £30,000? That, I thought, was, was the best one ever. And so when I recovered from the shock, I went... £30,000. Yeah, yeah, I'll pay you back. I thought, yeah, I'm sure you will. I'd have to get a legal document drawn up for something like that. Ridiculous, isn't it? 30, can you lend me £30,000? I love it. I love it. Oh, we've, oh I've just realised, this week, actually, got Des O'Connor coming in this week. Hope you downloaded the In Conversation with Danny DeVito, Gareth Gates, who I thought when he was on Loose Women was patronised by Carol Vorderman. She treated him like he was about 15, as opposed to a 27-year-old man with a, with a child and a wife. But uh, not very good at all. Uh, loads of other stories in the papers. Again, for the second week running, Ian Highland has gone, is this the worst TV show ever made? It's poor Mark Wright. Poor Mark Wright and his bunch of dippy girls who are with him. Well, actually, they're, they're sort of men, but they're, they're from Essex, so they look a bit girly. And they're all... In, you know, it's no good dressing up mutton in a suit and trying to make it into something it's not. Because, A, Mark Wright is a bit creepy... We know he's creepy because we've seen him on The Only Way's Essex. He's sort of all he's interested in. He obviously thinks he's so big headed that he, he seriously thinks that the British public are going to take to him. You hate him. You absolutely hate him. I'm, I'm, I'm so surprised. I thought people would have liked him, but they don't. The other person we hated was in Big Brother, who got kicked out on Friday night. Oh, what a disgusting piece of work he was. I was so glad he was kicked out. Mind you, I've kicked out three quarters of them. What a revolting bunch in the Big Brother house. Nasty, vindictive, mudslinging, two-faced. That was just the presenters. Awful. And then Natalie Cassidy. Remember Natalie Cassidy? I play my trumpet. Remember Natalie Cassidy? If they were doing the remake of Upstairs, Downstairs, she'd definitely be Ruby, wouldn't she? She'd have to be. She wouldn't be glamorous enough to be anything else, poor soul. But anyway, she drones on about her boring little life, and they've now made her the agony aunt for Big Brother, with no qualifications whatsoever. And she's going, because Emma Willis is on there, and she's a legend. I thought, do you know, you toady up to all the wrong people, don't you? How, how thick do you have to be to be Natalie Cassidy? And she was on the front of one of the papers. And there's another story about a pop star who's managed to get it on with a, a breakfast show presenter. God, thank goodness this is early breakfast. Don't get anything like that going on around here. And, um, and, lots, of cha- oh dear. and lots of chaos as there's flooding across the country. And here is um, Emma Watson going out... I'm ever so sorry. I feel so angry about this. I, in fact, I can't tell you how angry I feel about it. She's another one of these buffoons who's taken a dog into a salon to have it dyed pink. Now, as far as I'm concerned, this is animal cruelty. What is this woman, stupid? Have you heard of dying dogs pink? We saw it by some woman down in Kent ages ago, and she took her dogs out, and they were all different colours, yellow, blue, and I thought, you you really are a person who hates animals. And here's Emma Watson walking, I know it's for charity, I don't really care, dyeing this little dog 
pink. And they say, oh, it's all for a good cause. I say, well, having one of its legs amputated, would that be for a good cause as well, Emma? I've never seen anything so stupid in my entire life. What a horrible thing to do to a dog. It's a little tiny thing here, it's, and it's now bright pink. If you're that desperate for publicity, for a charity, God help us all. Because the next thing, I'll be taking my Auntie Enid out the home, you know, shaving her body hair completely and dyeing her blue. Which is probably the colour she'd be going if she was outside in this kind of weather. It's absolutely appalling. Some people have them dyed to make it look as though they're, they're tigers. There's one here which was, has been dyed as a panda. They've sort of done it in black. This is animal cruelty. And Emma Watson, I'm sorry. I'm ever so sorry. You know, whether it's for charity or not... This is just wrong on so many levels. So many levels. I'm so, I'm so angry about it. I can barely contain my anger this morning. I'll just say, you're in my bad books. I simply don't know why anybody would dye their dog a different colour. We'll take a quick break now, after which we talk about libraries. This one really got you worked up. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Welcome back. Tuesday brought the news that libraries and leisure centres would be shut down in the next ten years or so unless they get a huge cash injection from the government. Now, I merely put this question to you. Who actually uses libraries these days? You had a lot to say on that. So definitely close the libraries. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, just to be controversial. Somebody's being controversial, close the libraries. No, to be honest with you, every time I've been past one, and we've, we've got a nice one in Twickenham, don't get me wrong, it's lovely. There's nobody ever in there. What's the point of keeping a, a giant building open like that? I can understand having local records, you know, and having a local museum, but we have a local museum, and I understand keeping records of a, of a town, and, um, and that's about it, because most of the playgroups now... The kids have got little libraries in there. They've got books. Parents have got Kindles. Because everybody's got a computer. Well, I would think, well, I say everybody's got a computer. Most people have. I mean, it just, it isn't good enough to say we've got to keep a library open for about four people. You know, as far as I'm concerned, these are the people who need to go out to car boot sales and buy books. It makes, it makes far more sense. Uh, Steve says if the council sell the libraries, the money won't go on services. It'll go on higher wages for them. I don't mind. I think that's good. I don't think they get paid very much in council, do they? So we could have a Steve Allen day at the local library. Whee! How exciting will that be? <laughs> I love it at this time of the morning. Uh, Shane Ward from The X Factor, currently starring up the road from you in Rock of Ages, says Norman. Thank you, Norman, at the Shaftesbury Theatre. I love Rock of Ages. I lo- haven't seen the movie. Have you seen The Last Marigold Hotel? That one, that's out now. If you want to, f- want a feel-good factor, that will do it for you. Let me tell you. Eight four eight five zero Steve at LBC dot co dot uk or oh eight four five six zero six zero nine seven three. Let's try and get some more of your uh, texts up. I can't blasty things jam. One of these computers. Sometimes you were like throwing a computer through the window. You know when you sort of click on something, you get the silly egg timer, and it won't go away. And you think, oh, there we are. Lovely. Junie, Julie from a rainy, rainy Balmain in Sydney. Just back from London. Had a great time. Great shopping. Lots of my friends are listening to you over here as well. She thinks so too. Starved of good radio. Starved of it. Uh, let me just do this one very quickly. Malcolm on libraries. He said, the library that we have in our little town, I've only been in twice 
in about 25 years. One to ask about bus passes, and once where they charged me an extortion amount to send a fax that I needed to send to the Philippines. It used to be the station house when we had a train service. Much better to have the train service back again. Yes, that was the thing. You went into the library to send a fax. A fax? Who sends faxes nowadays? Or do, can we do some photocopying? Yes, I'll turn it on for you. You know, lovely. Like a cup of tea. I've got some down and outs over there, some drug users in the corner. Lovely. Would you like to mix with them? I don't think so. Morning, Len. Good morning, Steve. Morning. Nobody goes to where? Well, there's this big library down by um, St Pancras Station called I've the been, British Library. I've been. Have you? I've been twice. Have you? Well, I've never seen many going in no, there. No, you won't see many people going in there, mainly because people don't know what it is. But the only reason I went in there, not because it's a library like library, but it's got all our great treasures, like the Magna Carta. It's got handwritten ah. Beatles lyrics on display. Oh, I see. It's got Good first editions of Winnie the Pooh drawings, and it's got it's got those sort of things. Oh, I see. It's more of a museum. More of, a, more of a museum, and it's, I mean, it, it, it has got a library section, but it's got all these fantastic things, you know. It's got letters from Henry VIII to Rome. It's got everything. Oh, oh, you, are, you won't like my suggestion, then. Oh, you're going to burn it oh. down, are you? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, so close it down. Close it down as a library and take the women off the streets, off of King's Cross, and that because it's all in the same location and put them in there. Yeah, the trouble is, it is. You, I tell you what, out of all the places you need to go, you should go there because it's free. Is it really? It's free. I mean, they do do a cup of tea outside, which is okay. But when you go in there, you'll like it because it's got lots of British things. It's got illuminated manuscripts. It's got it's got stuff you go blimey, and it's all in cabinets where you can sort of lean over it and look at it properly. I oh, mean, well, I promise you, it's 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 it, it's worth it for a day out. I'm personally, I'm not the sort of person who goes. Let's go to a museum. But on the odd occasion that I've been to some museums, I rave about them because they're really really good. And you should oh, go oh. to the British Library. I'll withdraw my suggestion, then. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I thought that'd be a nice place to clean out the King's Cross no, area. So, like, sadly, you know. Well, I, to, you know, to be honest with you, King's Cross has changed so dramatically now, there's hardly any room for these poor old tramps to walk up and down the road. But you should go to the British Library, if only to look at Magna Carta, to look at... They had a great exhibition there a short while ago, which was the letters of Henry VIII, backwards and forwards, the, the, the execution warrants for Anne Boleyn, for all the people that had ex... Everything is in there. They've got these things and they're on display. You don't need to ask to see them. They're there. There are a few, few museums I do like. You see, that's why... See, libraries are just... We've got charity shops and car boots and pound land. You can get books anywhere now. And there's no such thing as a retail price. People say they're terribly expensive. You can always buy them. I see a book for seventeen ninety nine. I go to Amazon. They're doing it for six ninety nine. You know, go to the supermarkets, they're selling them even cheaper. So, you know, you, you can get books cheaply. And also, you can just borrow them. You can download them to your computer, download them to your Kindle, download them to your iPhone. You can download them all over the place. You don't need to go and sit in a place. You know, earlier on, we were finding out about books for the blind. Well, you can have them sent to you, you know, and you can have these books sent and then you, you read and then you send them back again. So it's like, it's like a lending service. It can all be done. But if you want a good museum and, and there's a good canteen there as well, V&A. The V&A is worth go- free to go in. They like, they like a donation, but to be honest, I never give a donation. I think just me being there is quite enough, and I'll talk it up. I love a few places. The Wallace Collection, which I think is in Manchester Square, which is just near Selfridges. You can do the two. And that is a treasure trove. Oh, my Godfathers, they've got everything. They've got Van Dyke's The Laughing Cavalier. They've got Canalettos. They've got everything. You should absolutely go to the Wallace Collection free 
free, 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 and it's got it's got so much stuff you can't take it all in. It's really it's like going to the to the V and A, and and you go like because they've got like whole rooms. They've got whole rooms which they've transported from London and they've reassembled back again. Victorian rooms, Georgian rooms, genuine thing, not sort of made up, not painted. They've got a big shop front which came from London from, I think, 1700. And that's hanging on a wall. And it's a, it's a huge, a huge shop front. From the seven, I mean, can you imagine from the 1700s? They've got everything. They've got so much gold in there. I mean, if I could have carried it out, I'd have carried it out. The V&A opened on this day in 1909. It's well worth going. And the and the food there is very good. They've got a very good little little cafe, which is just. Fa- I mean, the food is good. They need to sort out because they're, they're one of these places you go here. For, it's a bit like going to IKEA. Here for your hot food. Here for for your cup of tea. And here for this. You need to do it all in the same place because when you're queuing up for a cup of tea, you know my advice is. Go and get your food, sit down at the table, then somebody goes and gets the drinks because your food will get stone cold while you're waiting. I haven't quite fathomed that one out. But the food is excellent there. The Imperial War Museum, fantastic museum, fantastic museum. You know, really, it's worth going to. It's not a museum. I know it's called the Imperial War Museum, but I promise you it's it's not a celebration of war. It just shows you, you know, what went on. And it's got a a very, very moving Holocaust exhibition, which is permanent there with a lot of art and, and uh, something. You should go there. But again, it's got a fantastic canteen. They've, they've all moved up a notch because they've suddenly realised if you want to attract people in, just make sure you're offering people the very best that you can. And they are, and the food's very, very good there. Very, very good indeed. Still closing the libraries, though. <laughs> I've decided. I definitely want to close the libraries. No, I'm sorry, they have to go. They, they're going into room 101. They have been rejected. There's not... So far, we've only managed to find about five people who go to a library. It's not enough. It's not enough to keep them open, as far as I'm concerned. Especially... Especially if, uh, you know, if the sort of... I forgot where I was going, actually, because I've, I've looked at a text and somebody says, I go to the British Library every day. I work there. How lovely. I mean, I couldn't work in a place like that, but it, it is good, actually. Uh, my, di- my idea of heaven, Steve, is Neil Pearson reading me a bedtime story. Mm-hmm, there you go. How lovely. Uh, <laughs> don't get paid much. Half the so-called cabinet members are on higher wages than the prime minister, said Steve. No, not in local government, they're not. Definitely not. Uh, one here. Kevin says, I'm with you, Steve. I love the idea of having libraries, but in reality, the last time I used a library, the ink was still wet on Shakespeare's manuscripts. Yeah, you see, we all went there years ago. We went to the library, and you went Saturday morning, and you'd sit there on little tiny stools reading a book. Like Pippa Penguin or something. I don't know, Pippa Pig or something. Whatever it was. You know, and a Mick Ink pen book. And it's good, but that, but that was about it. Libraries do well when positioned near schools and colleges, says Paul. Our council has modernised our library. It's removed a lot of books, though. X-Factor contestants that have done well. Tricky one. Alexander Burke has had a top ten single very recently, so she's still popping them out. Leona Lewis has done well, sang the title song for Avatar. Oh, God, it was ages ago, Avatar. Shane Warne took his own path. Will Young did OK for a bit, then did his own thing. Shane, Shane Ward, is it? Yeah, Shane Warne's the cricketer. Goodness sake. JLS, Girls Aloud did very well, but they never won X Factor. They came second. They weren't from X Factor, Girls Aloud, were they? I didn't think they were from X Factor. I thought they were just an assembled group. They were pop stars, the rivals, weren't they? I thought so. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Uh, another one here. Uh, so all books on Kindle are talking books. No need for cassettes or any other. Just plug your ear goggles in and off you go. Lovely. 
Uh, I invite you to come to County Durham and repeat your comments, says Phil Robinson. Uh, who would want to go up there, Phil? That's why you're up there. Further away, the better. You know, the further up north, people go dum, 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 and then you really get to County Durham. Well, that's kind of the place that nobody really wants to go to. In fact, I don't even think my car would find it. I have to tell you, I don't think my car would find it up there. And also, if there's people like you there, I think we're so much safer when we built that nice Hadrian's Wall thing to keep you out. So much easier. Uh, 84850. I think the Kindle has a text-to-speech function for many of the books that you can buy from Amazon. Not the same as a real voice, but it does the job. Yes, so, I mean, to be honest with you, I didn't, I didn't bother buying a Kindle. I didn't really care, actually. Somebody says not everybody's fortunate to have a computer. Of course they are. Everybody's got a computer. I've, I've got a seven-year-old who's got a computer. A seven-year-old who's got a computer. There you go. And had to send it twice. So lucky enough to be able to afford a text twice on that one. I'm very pleased there. And uh, once you've shut the libraries, what would you suggest happens to all the books? Well, you sell them. You, you, or pulp them or something like that. You turn, turn them into park benches. I mean, there's not that many books. Not that many books. Another one says uh, not everybody has a computer. Of course they do. I've never seen... I mean, schools have computers now. Where have you been? Where have you been for ages? Have you been on the, on the planet Zog or something? No. All the schools have got computers. have computer rooms. Heavens above, even libraries have got computers now. We've moved into the real world. Do you know, and electricity has finally reached County Durham. Whoopee! Fantastic. They haven't got shag pile carpet yet. They're still saving up for that one. It was fun sparring with you on Tuesday. We only do it because we care. Don't forget, in half an hour, we've got In Conversation with Des O'Connor and Samantha Bond. But first, the latest headlines at 5.30. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Welcome back. Coming up at six, in conversation with Des and Samantha. But first, back to the best bits of last week, when we had those great pictures of the Spice Girls after they were reunited to launch the new Spice Girl musical. The more I think about the Spice Girls musical, the more I think they've been... Obviously, somebody has said to them, listen, if you all come back to promote it, because I bet you they'll all be down on the credits as co-producers. There'd have to be something so they can get money. But, I mean, a show has got to take a barrel load of money to be able to pay five people on it, let alone the writer, let alone the cast if they've been promised five million pounds, or they've been told that they can make five million pounds each, that show has got to run for a long time to take that kind of money I don't even know what, what theatre it's uh, going in but um, it, it'll be very, very interesting, but just looking at, at Victoria as uh, as as Jan Moyer has said here, Victoria remains aloof, although, to be honest, her cool is somewhat dented by the fact that she's a distinctly odd teabag colour. I mean, I, I think that's the funniest thing ever. And uh, she said, um, uh, at all times, her manager is that of a crime boss who's gone legit, a former Faganette who's a bit embarrassed when her old gang of thumb-twitching pickpockets turn out. Still wearing her own design, she's still the best dressed by a mile. Ginger is now blonde. Sporty has replaced her tracksuits with cream chiffon. Baby is now 36, but scary is still utterly scary. She wears shoes with metal studs. Her hair is scraped back into an unforbidding bun. Her Lanvin dress is unforgiving. Her raspy voice still gurgles with the gutsy gravy of her hometown of Leeds. Jerry, 
she had moaned at a backstage conference earlier. Not everybody wants to listen to what you have to say all the time. Ooh. But of course, I mean, it's a bit sad, isn't it, really, for, for poor Mel B., the least attractive one in the group, who has to advertise a diet company on the television, uh, and I think has... How many children does she... I don't know how many children she has. I can't remember. Uh, Mel... She might have two. Mel C has got one, I think. Um, I, I don't think Jerry Halliwell's got... She's got one. One. Uh, Baby Spice? We're not, we're not sure how many Baby Spice has got. We're a bit out on that one. And Victoria? Four. Four! I mean, she's like a machine and still has managed to be the most successful Spice Girl. You know, from being the one at the back who nobody even bothered with. You know, we were told because they were sporty and baby and she was posh Spice. There was nothing, there's nothing posh about her at all. Her father was an electrician. They're now on, on the payroll, as you know. We, we discovered this with Mylene Class, didn't we? That Mylene Class's ex-old man was on her payroll. He's, uh, she's, she's taken him off it now. So I suppose that's a way of sort of keeping your, your partner employed. But Victoria is the most successful because she's, she's Brand Beckham. She must look at the other ones and think, I'm doing better than all of you. doesn't matter whether I smile or whether I don't smile because, to be honest with you, I'm going to get the most coverage. And, of course, she has. She's got the most coverage in all the papers because all they're saying is she doesn't smile. But they're talking. Oh, Melanie, Melanie Beer's got three kids. One, was, one she claimed was uh, Eddie Murphy's. Yes, I remember that. I remember that. But isn't it funny, out of all of them there, every time the poor old Spice Girls get back together, the only person who gets the coverage is Victoria Beckham. They must hate it. They must absolutely hate it. Um, the three pence fuel hike has been axed. Thank goodness for that. I don't think the motorists can stand much more of this. And um, so, Tom, has anybody booked a Thompson holiday? Would you go on a holiday that was child-free? I have to be honest, it's very appealing, isn't it? And uh, and if you work in an office, have your hours changed? You now start earlier. You now do this 7.17 to, to two minutes past seven. That's a hell of a long day, isn't it? And especially when so many people don't actually get time off for lunch. But in fact, even when you're out in the pub at the end, your phone can still ring. How many people? On the train, people are on their phones all the time, their Blackberries all the time. And that's probably doing office stuff. Most people... They say, get into work. This, this is the average worker based on global figures. 12-hour days, they say, are quite normal now. 12-hour days. And they say, most people get into work at 8.18, coming on those packed trains, uh, leave at 5.48 and get out of work mode at 7.19. The Germans mentally clocked in at 7.24, the Americans at 7.33, the French at 7.48 and the Irish at 8.02. So, we're, so we're, we're kind of like the latest in starting. But you see, if, if you go uh, and you work in, say, Austria, the kids are at school, in some cases, at seven in the morning because they finish early. In, in, some, in some countries, they actually finish early. And the kids seem to like that. But they all go to school, uh, like over here, I suppose, they've all got these little backpacks on. You can see the kids going down the road and nobody gets taken to school by mummy and, and daddy in the big car. They just, they stand and they wait on buses and you see little kids there with bags that are bigger than them. It's a bit sad, really. I never understand why mums take, take kids to school. Sometimes I see kids in the back of these four-by-fours and I think, why are you, why aren't you getting the bus? Well, you know, why is your mum driving you to school? Because if you sit at the back of the car, you're tired. You're, oh, there's no... Whereas if you're standing by the bus stop, you're chatting. So by the time you get to school, you're ready and you're alert. Unfortunately, most of these people aren't, aren't alert. So Mel B, three children. Mel C, one. Emma Bunton, two. 
Jerry won and Victoria four. <laughs> Victoria well on her way to uh, sort of getting her own football team. I love it. Um, uh, one here that says, uh, I was thinking you're a sound body and mind. And then what do you do? You state you pay £85 to see the Spice Girls now. I don't know if you're joking or in need of some serious care. Yes, I mean, to put this way, £85 to see the Spice Girls? Absolutely reunited. Oh, God, yes. Oh, yes, that would be that would be well worth it. Well worth it, definitely. And, uh, and one here that says, uh, read the Spice Girls, we do £85, way too much. Mel C was the only one that could sing. Did uh, one one or two decent songs with Brian Adams. Yes, I remember that. Victoria Beckham Posh came from Watford. Looked so different. She smiled back then, says Joe. Yellowstone was fantastic. Really enjoyed it. Yes, I, I agree, actually. Going on a holiday without children is brilliant, Steve. The Americans have got it sussed. They send the kids off to camp. Wonderful. Spice Girls music is going to the theatre where Ghost is. Oh, the Piccadilly. Oh, it's got a bit of a track record. Lots of lots of shows have failed at the Piccadilly Theatre. Quite a number of shows have failed at the Piccadilly Theatre. So it wouldn't be the best place to go to because they're still building the hotel at the back. So it's it's a bit of a bit of a dog's dinner. Is that the best they can get? Oh, I'm a bit superstitious, I'm afraid. Morning, Dave. Morning, Treacle. Morning, um, going away without the kids. Yes. Um, my two boys are in their twenties now, and we last Easter time we went away to Rhodes lovely hotel mm-hmm. and it was just for couples um mm-hmm. and we sort of missed around the swimming pool seeing the kids enjoying themselves you know you, mm-hmm. you did miss um the kids getting up to their antics in the swimming pool and stuff like that yeah. you know you sit there with you reading your book and looking at them enjoying themselves um yeah, well, inclined could, to agree. I'm inclined it. to agree that sort of family holidays, because nobody does anything with families now, do they? No, I mean, my, my two boys, actually, the last couple of years, they, they come away with us. Um, but it's not the same. I mean, you can't... Uh, well, you can embarrass them when you go out for meals and stuff like oh, that. that's all know, right. You, but on the other hand, it means that you're stuck talking to the wife, which, you know... Well, yeah, that's, get a, that's, that another, that's another downfall, isn't it? You know, <laughs> you've got to make conversation with the old lady, but... Uh, <laughs> and she probably feels the same about making conversation with me. Probably, because uh, after a while, I mean, I do see couples on holiday, and they do sit there, and nobody's saying a word. Yeah. <laughs> you, you think yeah. to yourself, they're, they're probably sitting there thinking... Oh, how much longer have we got on this holiday? But yeah, you sort of think to yourself, oh, we've only got another three days to go, and then know. we can go back home, you know? <laughs> <laughs> we did enjoy it, but we, we do miss not having the boys with us. And yeah. We did miss seeing other kids enjoying themselves, you know? It was yes. uh, a very quiet sort of holiday as well, which... Oh, it's horrible, I suppose it's like nice, that, isn't it? But uh, after a few days, you do you do crave a bit of... A bit, a bit of noise around a swimming pool, you Yes, know? you're right. I mean, not not too much noise, but lovely watching kids running round and then one falling in and throwing a ball. And you're yeah. always secretly hoping the ball comes to you so you can be involved as well. You can yeah, throw the ball right. back. that's right. And you start talking to other couples yes, about yes. children. I mean, we normally go to Cyprus um, and the hotel we go there, there's always a few kids knocking about. Yeah. And you sort of, you know, you, you enjoy a conversation with a meal times. You might... Uh, strike up a conversation at meal times when sitting on the opposite table and stuff like that. Well, you'd you never know? go on an Italian holiday and find no kids because the, because the Italians take the kids everywhere. They take the oh, grandmother, yeah. the grandfather, whoever is alive comes. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And it yeah, always works. I, I agree with you. I mean, I I was a little. I was thinking earlier on, good without kids, and and now I'm with you because I think it's quite a good family idea to go on holiday with the kids because let's face it, life's a bit short. 
Uh, and when they get a bit older, they can also sort of buy you a drink in the bar, which is yes. quite nice. Yes. Not, not, I don't do it very often, but no, every now and again no. they do. No, <laughs> I, I, I agree with you. Dave, thank you for that. You're quite all right, right. Be lucky. Take care. Be lucky. Tree called all the rest. I love that. I love that stuff. They were talking the other day. Duncan Barks was talking about. Uh, it was very soon. We won't have any more cockneys um, because apparently cockneys. Because you know, I'm 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 not a cockney. You have to be born within the sound of bow bells. And apparently, there's so many buildings now you can't hear it. And so that so the vicar's thinking of amplifying the sound so more people can be born within the sound of bow bells because you don't meet many people now cockneys do you in London. You know, you, because, well, there just aren't enough people out there. And I, I don't know, really, whether or not there's any benefits. I mean, a, a, a cockney's, you know, like any other, 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 are they completely different? You know, perhaps we should have cockney newsreaders. You know, because we are a London radio station. You go, all right, me old China. Well, here's, here the way, here's the way it's looking at the moment. I've got to tell you, over in Syria, it ain't too hot. Ain't too hot over there, but it doesn't doesn't really matter. You know, it's a bit swings and roundabouts. The old Spice Girls got together, like them, like them a lot. You imagine if the news bulletin... Actually, the more I think about it, the funnier it could become. I'm all for cockney newsreaders. I'm in the process of putting it to the management, so I'll let you know how I get on. Another quick break, followed by tipping. I can tell you this, the Welsh are worst. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Welcome back. On Thursday, we got onto our desks the news that the Glaswegians are the best tippers and the Welsh are the worst. I'm all for tipping, but I think we do it to all the wrong people. And some of you agreed. My son is a charge nurse. And he puts stitches in cuts and works to resuscitate people. He never gets a tip, says Vanessa. I know. So why, why don't you tip nurses? Why don't you tip the people in A&E? Why don't we tip people who sort of do something good? Why do you tip a waitress? What's the point of tipping a waitress? She brings it from there to there. I tell you what, love, when it arrives and I can see it sitting there, I'll go and get it myself. And that way we, we can save two or three quid. Because if there's like four of you and it's a bill of 50-something quid, by the time you've added the tips, that's seven pounds. I don't mind paying tips, but to be honest with you, it's now taking the Michael, I'm afraid. Uh, but meaning to text, I've finally left West- Westminster and now working at Heathrow, which is lovely. That's, uh, that's one half of my favourite police officers. I have my, my favourite police officers. And uh, the good news is now they've given me a gun. <laughs> God. <laughs> I'm still podcasting you most days. Hope all is well. That's, uh, I know exactly who you are. I know exactly where you were. So finally working at Heathrow. That's probably more exciting, actually, is it? Probably sort of better, I suppose. Mark says, the worst thing I experience about chewing gum is the insidious way it gets discarded and concealed on bus and train seats. It takes about five minutes. Like a, I know, because people take it out of the mouth and they stick it. They either put it on the floor, in which case it sticks to the bottom of your shoe. I'd hang people like that. Or even worse, they take the chewing gum and they stick it underneath the seat. I'd kill those people. You know, I think people like that should be killed. Should definitely be killed. You know, as far as I'm concerned, it's filthy. Filthy, disgusting habit. They've done the right thing in Singapore. I mean, they do, they do, they do put, put you in prison if you, drop, if you drop chewing gum. So they've banned chewing gum. You will not find chewing gum anywhere in Singapore. You can, it's illegal to buy it, it's illegal to sell it, and it's illegal to use it. And it's fantastic. I mean, I would actually... I mean, anybody who I see spitting... I mean, it's bad enough people spitting, you know, without spitting out chewing gum. I would take these people out and publicly flog them. 
you know, so they die, they die. I mean, who cares nowadays? I mean, frankly, you know, if you have to go around, like, chewing gum all the time, and it's, it's the spitting gum. I don't mind if somebody puts it in a bin, but nobody puts it in a bin. Years ago, if people had a bit of Wrigley's, where there was only the one, and it was Wrigley's chewing gum, and you took it out the foil wrapper, when you'd finished chewing it, because it kind of lost its flavour after about three days. And then what you would do is you put it in the wrapper, you roll the wrapper up, so, and then you throw it in the bin. Nowadays, people just look, look where you are, look where you're standing. Leicester Square, every night they have to jet wash it because people spit chewing gum. It was Veruca who chewed gum in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And what happened to her? She died. Yeah, result, as far as I was concerned. A bit of happiness in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, otherwise known as the Willy Wonka. Oh, drove me mad. Drove me mad, that programme. It did. She was the one who said she was chewing gum and she was just so irritating. So irritating. 84850, steve at uk. Uh, David in Orlando. He says 19% is added to the cheque. This is So 19%... Of the total, but good grief. I mean, I know America is a tipping nightmare, David. I know it is. Restaurant servers earn £4.60 an hour. This is this is dollars. $4.60 an hour, plus tips. Usual tip, 20%. And the servers will even run after you if you leave without tipping. Because he knows, because he's food and beverage. So, in other words, £4.60, uh, sorry, $4.60 an hour for somebody working in a restaurant. And they get 20%. At the Yacht Club, he said, I work, 19% is added, but members often leave extra money because I remember going out. You know, you know the way, waiter comes up to you and they go, OK. I mean, we went, I'll tell you where we went the other day. We went to Carluccio's in Richmond. And there were three of us. And um, I was quite surprised, actually. That, I mean, it was, a, it was a hot day, hot day. And I, I didn't want to eat that much. So I just had a bowl of pasta. God, pasta's boring. It is so dull. Why do they bother even serving it in restaurants? Don't go like that. And it was, it was pasta. They always call it pasta ribbons, which makes it sound quite exciting. And it came with some little meatballs. But unfortunately, as with a lot of these places, the chef cooks it, OK? The pasta just sits in hot water for, like, three seconds. OK, out it comes. And then they put the meatballs around. And then they put the tomato sauce over the top. And it's supposed to come out glistening. It didn't, because they sit it on this thing. The chef's done it, he puts it there. And unless the waitress is really on a, a metal, the lights solidify the blasted tomato. So when it came out, it was dry. I mean, it was, anyway, so, but I mean, it, it tasted OK. I'm not complaining about that. It's just the fact that they need to get the skates on. And so I said, I'll tell you what I fancy. I'd had a, I'd had a Diet Coke. And have you noticed that in, in a restaurant, if you go out for people with lunch, for, for, for lunch... And the first person says, oh, I'll just have a Diet Coke or a bottle of water. Everybody else goes, oh, but not drink. People think I'm an alcoholic. So everybody goes, oh, a Diet Coke for me too. So we all had Diet Cokes. All had, I mean, how dull were we? So anyway, so by the time we'd sort of waited a bit for the food and the, and the heat had finally gotten to me, I thought, I know what I fancy. I fancy a Bloody Mary. So I said to him, there's no point saying Bloody Mary because in most restaurants they don't know what it is because they've only just arrived in, so there's, there's no point. So I said, I'll have a vodka and a tomato juice. And she said, we don't have any tomato juice, which I thought was a bit odd. You know, restaurant, I thought they'd have tomato juice. Let's face it, you know, it's called Carluccio's, so most of the food's Italian, which is tomato-based, yet they don't have tomato juice. You know, what's going on there? So anyway, so I said, OK, well, I'll just have a straight vodka. Big mistake that was. This, tum- this glass arrived, the same size glass that we'd had the Diet Coke poured into, and it was all vodka. I said to my, di- my, and then, of course, the rest of my dining companions, I'll say, oh, I'll, I'll have a glass of Pinot Grigio. So the, the, the next thing, we're all alcoholics. And, um, or as I prefer, no, it doesn't matter. So anyway, so this whole glass is full of vodka. And so I tasted it, I went, it's all vodka. 
But the, the bill was, I forget what it was, it was 50, 52 pounds. And yes, I paid Lou. And as I always do. And so I tipped seven pounds on top of that. Okay, seven pounds on top of 52, which I thought was about right. You know, I don't mind tipping. I mean, I I understand the reason that they tip in America is because the staff are so poorly paid. Over here, it's quite clearly quite lucrative. But you don't tip when you go to Starbucks. You don't tip when you go to Cafe Nero. I don't tip downstairs. When when Sven downstairs, bless his heart, he's South African, he uh, he sort of makes it, he can't help it. He makes a cup of coffee and it takes forever. I mean, it's like, God, I mean, I've I've grown a beard waiting for the coffee to be done down there. You can go grey, grey. It's, I mean, it's it's really, it's, uh, in fact, sometimes I have conversations with people in the queue. It's that bad. I'm taking a book later on, I've decided. And, but you don't tip him for making a cup of coffee. He does it with love. You know, each cup of coffee is lovingly made. You know, he's, sometimes he puts a little heart on the top. He's, he's learned how to swirl the coffee round and then it makes a heart. I mean, to be honest with you, who gives a flying forex? It's only going down your throat for God's sake. And, uh, and, and, and if, if he's gone off you for the day, you get a fern leaf instead. So you either get the fern leaf, which is really dull, or you get the heart. So yesterday I got the fern leaf. So obviously I'm out of favour. I'm out of favour quite clearly. I've obviously he's obviously fallen off the edge for me, and um, but he he does make it with love and he smiles and he's he's fed, but nobody tips him, nobody tips him. And yet round the corner, some old boot down there brings you a bacon sandwich and a cup of tea, which is a tea bag and a teapot, and you tip for it. Why? So when when this survey came out that the Welsh are tight, it's only in cabs. I know David says 19% is added. This is, bear in mind, this is in Florida, okay? This is Florida, and people do tip. Because if, if it's nice weather and it's nice, we do feel better, don't we, about things? We do, like, my God, doesn't Stephen Fry just getting fatter and fatter? I'm looking at him on the television. He just looks a bit bloated now, with, and his clothes never fit. Stephen Fry is the most untidy dresser I've ever seen, poor soul. So anyway, so David says 19% is added, but members often leave extra. And you know why that is? Because you don't want to be seen as being tight. You know, you want to make sure that you get good service next time you go in. We all know that. Because you don't want the waiter or waitress to spit in your food on the way out from the kitchen. When they go, that person last time complained about me and never left a tip. So that's why you do it. You tip hoping that next time you walk in, they're going to go, hi, how are you? Let me get you a cup of tea for, you know, so that they almost know what you can have, like going into your favourite bar and they know what you're going to have. If I go to the Barmy Arms, I know that Alec and Hillary are going to know what I'm drinking, which is slightly worrying. If I go to the Three Kings and Al and Claire are in there, they will, they would have a rough idea. I don't go there as often, that they would have a rough idea what I was drinking. When I go into Starbucks, nine out of ten times, they know what I drink. Because I have the same thing every day. Because I am a creature of habit. Because I like my coffee in a particular way. And uh, and that's why. And that's why. But I don't tip these people in Starbucks. And they've actually made an effort. They've made an effort to actually sort of, you know, remember. I like the idea that, uh, that there's a photograph of this killer who's escaped from Penterville on the LBC website. If you don't have a computer, lock your door. Okay, just I'd remind you of that now, because you might be going, what does he look like? Because, to be honest with you, I I haven't been onto the website to look, and I'm double-locking the doors. I'm double-locking the doors. Because he escaped at 6.30, it's now 18 minutes to 5 in the morning, and they've still not caught him. Okay, it must be that easy to walk out of Penterville, he's he's in for life. 
as far as I know. And and you're sort of in there, and then he just he gets out at 6.30. You can understand in the early hours of the morning, can't you? You can understand the early hours of the morning, but not sort of 6.30 in the evening, like he's wandering... Perhaps he's gone down to the, some of these restaurants I've been mentioning. Perhaps he's sort of thought, do you know, those meatballs sound delicious. I think I'll go down there. Could happen, couldn't it? Could happen. Uh, Jonathan says, you're talking about Nancy Delolio in a miniskirt. Made me think of this quote from Cecil Beaton. Never in the history of fashion has so little material been raised so high to reveal so much that needs to be covered up so badly. It's a great line, actually, isn't it? It is a very good line. I didn't know it was uh, Cecil Beaton, but it certainly applies to her. In fact, you know, bin liner over the head is definitely one of my preferred methods of, uh, of covering up Nancy Delusional. I mean, she's just a waste of space. I mean, you have to ask yourself, the, you know, the, the, the time-honoured question, ladies and gentlemen. She's famous for sleeping with Sven Goran Eriksson. That is her claim to fame. And that you'd want to keep quiet, wouldn't you? And let's face it, you wouldn't be shouting that. I used to be a student in Brighton, says D, and the bus service was so good... Only had to take a cab once in the entire three years. I'm still a student. I find cabs a bit of a rip-off. I do tip if I'm feeling generous. Not poor, or taking change would be pointless. £9 fare. But I do make sure I tip for good service. And if a cabbie has been friendly and not taken the long way round, one particular journey, I didn't tip the driver. Been on his mobile phone, handheld for all of the journey. We asked him to stop, and when that failed, made him stop and got out. There are a few jobs that pay as well. Is tipping an American thing? It is really... It is really. But you're right, you don't tip your doctor. You don't tip the bus driver, do you? You don't get off the bus and go, you know, that was jolly good. That was really good, that. I didn't fall over once when I stood up and you braked very hard, because I learnt to cling on. And so, and here is, and here's 10p for your trouble. You know, you don't do it. And yet you tip the old bird who takes the cup of tea from there to here. And you ask yourself the age-old question, let's stop it now, shall we? If you're going out for a posh dinner, posh dinner, that's all right. I mean, we went to the Dorchester for uh, afternoon tea. Uh, why? Because we're just filthy rich. And uh, there was lots of other poor people in there as well as us. And, uh, and we had to tip. And I tipped well at the end. Mainly because it's, they, they, they make it nice. You know, and you could have as many sandwiches. And the person I was dining with did eat quite a few sandwiches. And, uh, you know, more than would be considered normal. And I don't, I don't tend to tip 20%. I don't work it out on a basis like that. I don't work out what percentage. I just look at the bill. And if it's, say... £91, I'll probably tip 100 No, not tip 100 I'll round it up to 100 I do round up. If, if, it's, if, it's, if it's sort of £87, I would probably put 95 down. Something like that. I'm actually not, not a bad tipper. But, I, but in, in America, they bring you a drink, they expect a tip. It, on an individual basis. And, and on, on the ship as well. If you're going on a cruise which many of you might be, you tip individually. So each drink that comes over, if, if you're signing for it, because no, no money changes hands on a cruise, uh, you're adding a tip. To each drink, it works out really expensive, because you don't know how much to tip, do you? You've got no idea. Is it 5%? Is it 10%? Is it 20%? You have to go to the guidebook. Where is it? How much do we tip for a drink? And they haven't done anything. You've actually sat at the bar, and they've, they've poured you the drink, and then you, then you give the tip. So the answer is... In America, just be prepared. Take loads of dollar bills. Take loads of dollar bills because everybody will expect a tip. Everybody. And I mean everybody. And at the end of it, you'll come back here and you'll be so grateful to be back in this country. You'll be so grateful. Well, you don't actually have to tip people and all they do is shout a few obscenities. And you turn around and go, and to you. Because we're like that in this country, aren't we? Because we don't want to waste our money. On the old bag who brings a cup of tea from here to here. 
I wonder if things will change and we'll have to start tipping more in this country like they do in America. Well, those were my best bits from last week. I'm back at the usual time, 4am tomorrow morning and every day during the week. The full podcasts of the show are available on the website, lbc.co.uk. And you can also download the free extra podcast, which is full of salacious celebrity gossip. Coming up next, in conversation, this week, it's Des O'Connor and Samantha Bond. But first, the news at six. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen.